Chapter Eleven, Part Two of Bellamy, or the History of a Scoundrel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Bellamy, or the History of a Scoundrel, by Guy de Maupassant. Translator unknown. Chapter Eleven madame walter takes a hand part two they descended the stairs and entered a large room which was lighted by venetian lanterns and decorated with festoons of gauze nearly all the benches were filled with ladies who were chatting as if they were at a theatre madame walter and her daughters reached their seats in the front row duroy having obtained their places for them whispered i shall be obliged to leave you men cannot occupy the seats madame walter replied hesitatingly i should like to keep you just the same you could tell me the names of the participants see if you stand at the end of the seat you will not annoy any one she raised her large soft eyes to his and insisted come stay with us bel ami we need you he replied i obey with pleasure madame suddenly jacques rival's voice announced we will begin ladies then followed the fencing match duroy retained his place beside the ladies and gave them all the necessary information when the entertainment was over and all expenses were paid two hundred and twenty francs remained for the orphans of the sixth ward duroy escorting the walters awaited his carriage when seated face to face with madame walter he met her troubled but caressing glance egad i believe she is affected thought he and he smiled as he recognized the fact that he was really successful with the female sex for madame de marelle since the renewal of their relations seemed to love him madly with a light heart he returned home madeleine was awaiting him in the drawing-room i have some news said she the affair with morocco is becoming complicated france may send an expedition out there in several months in any case the ministry will be overthrown and la roche will profit by the occasion duroy in order to draw out his wife pretended not to believe it france would not be silly enough to commence any folly with tunis she shrugged her shoulders impatiently i tell you she will you do not understand that it is a question of money you are as simple as forestier her object was to wound and irritate him 
but he only smiled and replied what as simple as that stupid fellow she ceased and murmured oh georges he added poor devil in a tone of profound pity madeleine turned her back upon him scornfully after a moment of silence she continued we shall have some company tuesday madame la roche-mathieu is coming here to dine with viscountess de percemur will you invite rival and norbert de varenne i shall go to mesdames walter and de marel to-morrow perhaps too we may have madame rissolin duroy replied very well i will see to rival and norbert the following day he thought he would anticipate his wife's visit to madame walter and attempt to find out if she really was in love with him he arrived at boulevard malzerbe at two o'clock he was ushered into the salon and waited finally madame walter appeared and offered him her hand cordially what good wind blows you here no good wind but a desire to see you some power has impelled me hither i do not know why i have nothing to say except that i have come here i am pardon the morning call and the candour of my explanation he uttered those words with a smile upon his lips and a serious accent in his voice in her astonishment she stammered with a blush but indeed i do not understand you surprise me he added it is a declaration made in jest in order not to startle you they were seated near each other she took the matter as a jest is it a declaration seriously yes for a long time i have wished to make it but i dared not they say you are so austere so rigid she had recovered her self-possession and replied why did you choose to-day I do not know then he lowered his voice or rather because i have thought only of you since yesterday suddenly turning pale she gasped come enough of this childishness let us talk of something else but he fell upon his knees before her she tried to rise he prevented her by twining his arms about her waist and repeated in a passionate voice yes it is true that i have loved you madly for some time do not answer me i am mad i love you oh if you only knew how i love you she could utter no sound in her agitation she repulsed him with both hands 
for she could feel his breath upon her cheek he rose suddenly and attempted to embrace her but gaining her liberty for a moment she escaped him and ran from chair to chair he considering such pursuit beneath his dignity sank into a chair buried his face in his hands and feigned to sob convulsively then he rose cried adieu adieu and fled in the hall he took his cane calmly and left the house saying christi i believe she loves me he went at once to the telegraph office to send a message to clotilde appointing a rendezvous for the next day on entering the house at his usual time he said to his wife well is everyone coming to dinner she replied yes all but madame walter who is uncertain as to whether she can come she acted very strangely never mind perhaps she can manage it anyway he replied she will come he was not however certain and was rendered uneasy until the day of the dinner that morning madeleine received a message from madame walter to this effect i have succeeded in arranging matters and i shall be with you but my husband cannot accompany me duroy thought i did right not to return there she has calmed down still he awaited her arrival anxiously she appeared very composed somewhat reserved and haughty he was very humble very careful and submissive mesdames la roche mathieu and rissolin were accompanied by their husbands madame de marelle looked bewitching in an odd combination of yellow and black at duroy's right sat madame walter and he spoke to her only of serious matters with exaggerated respect from time to time he glanced at clotilde she is really very pretty and fresh-looking thought he but madame walter attracted him by the difficulty of the conquest she took her leave early i will escort you said he she declined his offer he insisted why do you not want me you wound me deeply do not let me feel that i am not forgiven you see that i am calm she replied you cannot leave your guests thus he smiled oh, i shall be absent twenty minutes no one will even notice it if you refuse me you will break my heart very well she whispered i will accept 
when they were seated in the carriage he seized her hand and kissing it passionately said i love you i love you let me tell it to you i will not touch you i only wish to repeat that i love you she stammered after what you promised me it is too bad too bad he seemed to make a great effort then he continued in a subdued voice see how i can control myself and yet let me only tell you this i love you yes let me go home with you and kneel before you five minutes to utter those three words and gaze upon your beloved face she suffered him to take her hand and replied in broken accents no i cannot i do not wish to think of what my servants my daughters would say no no it is impossible he continued i cannot live without seeing you whether it be at your house or elsewhere i must see you for only a moment each day that i may touch your hand breathe the air stirred by your gown contemplate the outlines of your form and see your beautiful eyes she listened tremblingly to the musical language of love and made answer no it is impossible be silent he spoke very low he whispered in her ear comprehending that it was necessary to win that simple woman gradually to persuade her to appoint a meeting where she willed at first and later on where he willed listen i must see you i will wait at your door like a beggar if you do not come down i will come to you but i shall see you to-morrow she repeated no do not come i shall not receive you think of my daughters then tell me where i can meet you in the street it matters not where at any hour you wish provided that i can see you i will greet you i will say i love you and then go away she hesitated almost distracted as the coupe stopped at the door she whispered hastily i will be at la trinite to-morrow at half-past three after alighting she said to her coachman take monsieur du roi home when he returned his wife asked where have you been he replied in a low voice i have been to send an important telegram madame de marelle approached him you must take me home bel ami you know that i only dine so far from home on that condition turning to madeleine she asked you are not jealous 
madame du roy replied slowly no not at all the guests departed clotilde enveloped in laces whispered to madeleine at the door your dinner was perfect in a short while you will have the best political salon in paris when she was alone with georges she said oh my darling bel ami i love you more dearly every day the cab rolled on and georges thoughts were with madame walter end of chapter eleven recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey